0: I've wanted to interview this man because I've never met someone who knows as much about negotiation as Simon and we've been friends now for how long? Must be what seven years?
1: Yeah, something like that. It must yeah. be something like
0: we're that. like uni friends, aren't we? Where we go to uni together, but then we don't see each other for years. <laughs> uh, but obviously, you've spoken on some of our stages. We've done Absolutely. work together. We created a program together. We did indeed, yeah. Um, which was a great experience. So, Simon, i want to say thanks a lot for coming to do the My podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah, great. And um, I've always been interested to see. How negotiation changes, yeah, um, because you know, 80s it seemed a bit more like double-breasted suit power, uh, and then and maybe we've got a bit more soft and barefoot, yeah. <laughs> that bare knuckle negotiation to barefoot negotiation. Okay. So, how do you see negotiation has changed?
1: I think what's what's changed is um, the if you like the buying process that people go through. So, to think about negotiation for, for 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 to begin with from a from a kind of as part of a sales process or something like that, what's happened is buyers have changed. It's largely driven by the internet because we're now able to access so much more information. So we're more savvy, I guess. Um, well, it, it, are they better informed or are they potentially misinformed? As the question. Yeah, or sometimes. over-informed too much information. Yeah, because so. I mean, I, I know from my research into neuroscience, like confused brains don't buy yes, for a start. Yeah. So it is possible for people to get very confused. But that that aside, they are gonna buyers will often research the person they're going to deal with or the person they're going to negotiate with you know, using various online resources or they'll look at lots of different options mm. and they come armed and dangerous with yes. information. So if you look at the way I suppose car sales has changed over, over the years that people used to kind of go to the garage to find out about the car. Now they've researched the car they want, yes. they've looked online, they're looking at different pricing and they're probably walking in with their research ready to go mm. And a, p- a recent piece of research showed that in business-to-business selling, so in B2B, buyers are about fifty-seven percent of the way through the process wow. before a salesperson from the potential supplier is involved. Right. So they're a long way through that process. So people are much more, much more, I think, savvy and and um, informed. Potentially, I think there is a higher degree, perhaps, of cynicism now. You mm. know, and people see through that '80s kind of yeah. kind of facade. Um, people so people have more choice. They're better informed, and probably, generally, there's a greater awareness of the concept of negotiation right. through programmes like Dragons Den and The Apprentice, which always happens. make me laugh. Must, they must
0: make you cringe.
1: <laughs> yes, sometimes. Sometimes it's uh, particularly The Apprentice. Yes. Sometimes I. Um, I, uh, I I think I almost
0: have to turn it off for the sake yeah. of my blood pressure. Yeah. Rather than absolutely well, my favourite bit is when they always say, so shall we negotiate? I mean, yep. surely that's like the worst thing you can do. Well, the
1: other thing I think, uh, you know, uh, another thing, a mistake people make is they assume the negotiation is the thing that happens right near the end when we're kind of talking about price and percentages yep. and things, whereas negotiation starts... Much, 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 much earlier, and people right. don't realise they're involved in a negotiation situation. Yeah. So, anytime you're face to face, eyeball to eyeball with another human being, in, a, in a, certainly in a business sense, and potentially in a social environment as well. You are negotiating. Yeah, you know which, which film do you want to go and see at the cinema with your partner? Which restaurant do you want to go with? Trying to get your children to go to bed. Yes, uh, you
0: know. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. You'll know that. bribe to... Bobby with hot dog and chips this morning just to get him out of the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And, that, and that's a negotiation. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Are we allowed
0: so, to admit that we bribe our children? Um Yes, we yeah. all do it. We all do it, whether we admit to <laughs> it or not. Ethical no. bribe.
1: Ethical bribery, perfectly yeah. okay. You know, yeah. Bobby, if you if you'll leave on time then you know Mummy will let you have yeah. it is the later. last day of
0: school before half term so there we go yeah.
1: so so we shouldn't be too critical of your uh, nutritional <laughs> yeah, like offering to your,
0: to your to your son yeah i so. got him out of the house we, we've got i've got a big tractor tire in my garden that i flip excellent and um because he get tired near the end of term yeah uh you know it's a bit more difficult to get him to play his golf every day but i said look you can win an allosaurus which is his current favorite dinosaur if you get 20 chips in the tire out all morning chip 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 (laughs) so some of the cheap skills still
1: work
0: and i would say
1: be very careful about using negotiation tactics on small children yes. because they learn, they learn. Oh, my. Yeah. And then as I found out, when they hit the teenage years, they yeah. apply those back to you
0: with yeah. some considerable skills. Well, do you know so what Daddy, uh, Bobby said to me recently, he said, Daddy, if you don't do this, I can't remember what, I'll take away your laptop and your iPhone. <laughs> like, oh
1: yeah. He's like his style, yeah. like his style. But yeah, I think that I think that's some of the stuff that some of the stuff that's changed. Uh, the fundamentals of what is good negotiation, I don't think, I don't think has changed. I'm like. That, well, it's, I suppose, it is, um. Where do you focus? If I said, you know, a few things that typify a good negotiator. One is their focus of attention is going to be in, in on the other person. You know, they want to get outside their own head, they want to get inside the other person's head. You do far more gathering information, seeking information, trying to find out what, what the other person wants, what's important to them, what are their priorities, why they want it, yeah. that enables you then to construct a deal. Yeah. So I think a big mistake is often to try to be a very, you know, imposing what yes. you want. Having said that, it depends on what style of negotiation you are involved
0: in yeah and what you speak all around the world so also culture I guess yeah culture is
1: but I think some of the some of the fundamental principles are not different but the way certain different cultures work in terms of their time orientation for example I think America's got quite a you know Americans have got quite a rapid culture and they Mm. like to achieve things quite quickly which I think historically is why they've potentially struggled with negotiating with certain countries like the Japanese yes where there are certain protocols
0: and things to be followed and well, observed. And and and- Shoe Dog just came out the book from and Phil Knight, who set up Nike, yeah. And he talked a lot about dealing with the Japanese It's much, much slower yeah. and really different cultures. So that's interesting. So you have to know that. And so I
1: would say to people, if you are going to be working with a national, and, and even if you're working inside the kind of just the UK, or I'm sure you get people listening from all sorts of different countries, many countries now are very multicultural and yes. diverse. So I think if you are dealing with someone from a particular culture or, or background, it's probably worth doing your research on that country, mm. you know, finding out some of the things... Even if that's just to kind of help you understand them and build a bit better rapport. Yes. You know, by, by being, you know, more, more um, uh, you know, close to the way they like to behave.
0: Yeah. So you did um, gathering information, knowing what's most important to them, yeah. getting out of your own head and into theirs. Yeah. Any other fundamentals? Yeah, I would
1: say there's nothing wrong with giving in negotiation, providing you're getting something of equal or greater commercial value back in right. return. So yeah. it's it's the fundamental principle is nothing for free. You trade, you don't give things for free. So right. using it like a format, like a conditional proposal, yeah. if you do this, then I will do that. And doing it in that format. So for example, if I gave a simple car analogy, you know, if you give me the metallic paint. Um, the alloy wheels and the furry dice yeah then I could of look course the, the most important the furry thing. dice <laughs> yeah. then I could look to buying the car today yeah if the if then the car salesman says oh no the alloy wheels are off the table not a chance you can withdraw your proposal if you yeah. did it the other way around and you said okay Rob I'm going to buy the car but I'm only going to buy the car if you give me the metallic paint the alloy wheels and the furry dice I've given away a lot of my negotiation yes. power because I've said I'm going to buy the car right it makes that condition much weaker and much harder to withdraw it withdraw it from the from the table yeah so you look at the behavioral profile of a really good negotiator they'll spend a lot of time on what are called sort of clarifying behaviors so testing understanding summarizing gathering information etc and and um, that enables them to really understand the other person get inside the other person's head and what you know what do they want but then the second question why do they want it why why for example do they need to move quite quickly What's the cost to them if they can't do the deal quite quickly? And that might yeah. give you some extra leverage or help with the perceived balance of power yeah. in the negotiation. And I think power balance as well, I would say, is I train a lot of salespeople to negotiate with with buyers and I also go the other side of the buying table and I train buyers to negotiate, for example, with their suppliers, with yeah. salespeople. And as a, as, a, as a rough rule of thumb, I'll ask salespeople... And I say to them, um, I just want a straight answer. Who's got the most power most of the time in your negotiations? Is it you or is it your customer? And I say to them deliberately, what you're not allowed to do is say, it depends. And I use that voice tonality. tone. No. I don't want some wishy-washy, it depends. Yeah. And I go around and I'll say, who's got the power? And they got customer, customer, us, customer, customers. About 70% of the time, salespeople think that the customer's got the, the power. When I'm working with the buyers, with the customers, And I say, when you're dealing with salespeople who's got the most power, repeat the same exercise. About 60% of the time, 60, 70, slightly lower with the buyers normally, they'll say it's the suppliers. Now, unless I have carved out a niche of working with weak organisations around the <laughs> yeah. world, which will be an interesting yeah. thing to have achieved. That's
0: your legacy. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. my legacy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who do you, what's your ideal client? Somebody who's really... I, I can't... A that, wimp. Yeah. That, yeah, that, cannot, that cannot be the case. So I think there is a possi- There is a tendency that we tend to overestimate the other person's power right. and underestimate her own. And what I wouldn't want anybody listening or watching to this to then suddenly turn into some Conan the Barbarian power crazed figure. Yeah. The answer is, who has the most power and the answer actually is it depends and I say that deliberately because I'm trying to force them to make a binary choice Mm. to get the underlying beliefs but the situation is it absolutely depends on a deal by deal, moment by moment basis based on where you are in the process, what's happening between you and the other person how many, for in your world, you know, from from a property development point, how many people are interested in the property? Yeah. Can they have they got the finance? All those sort of things. So power is very dynamic; it shifts, mm. and people need to assess it on an individual deal by deal yeah. basis. And
0: what sort of things give people negotiation power at either side? So.
1: Um, person with the least time usually has the least power. Yes, definitely, it's time. Time, yeah. time. Time is absolute. Person with the least. Time. I think. I think. Relative importance of the deal to, to the to the person. How much you, you need know, it. How, how much you need it. And yeah. Jim Camper, who's a great, a great uh, American. Um, Was that? Um, author, did he do the? Something about the no Yeah, to start with That's no it. which it. Yeah, is an absolutely yeah. fantastic book. And he he was really big. I heard him being interviewed on a like a podcast like like yours, mm. and he was saying y- the needier you are, the worse you're going to do. Yes. And almost to the point of saying you don't need it. You probably don't
0: a bit like in dating, isn't it? it? Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: If you've been in
0: the wilderness for a yeah. few years.
1: <laughs> well, I've been married for twenty five years, so I'm to cast my mind back <laughs> yeah. a lot. A lo- but yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I guess some some needy kind of guy trying to impose himself on someone yeah. is
0: probably to lots of to lots of women exactly and, and, vi- attractive. and
1: vice versa and a lot of people yeah. in back
0: back in those days I always managed to descend conversations <laughs> but I remember a lot of people used to say back in the days of you know when I was single they say oh well when I'm not with anyone no one wants me and then as soon as I'm with someone I seem to show interest and that's probably because you're not giving out wrong signs of desperation and you're showing comfort and comfort and strength. In who you are when you're with someone yeah and, and as i think if i recall correctly on the interview with jim camp the, the
1: interviewer was reading out some questions people had sent in and, and the question was something like, jim i really need this deal tell me what to do and he said something like um i need the deal i need the deal yeah. as in get a job mm. you know, get because the guy i think the guy was self-employed if i remember some sort of consultant or, mm. and he said get a job to pay the bills he said so you, then you don't need it Yeah. And uh, the less needy you are, normally the more power you're going to have
0: in the negotiation situation. In my world of property, the more the vendors need to sell the property, the less we're able to pay. It's almost inverse or directly related isn't it yeah and and then the other thing is to you need to get your kind of rational
1: part of your brain so from from neuroscience kind of 95 percent of human thinking cognition decision making occurs in sort of the emotional and more primitive regions of the brain so they exert a very strong influence the the the, that five percent is like the prefrontal cortex where you do your rational analysis that's the bit you need to engage Mm. when you're analyzing because a lot of power plays that people will do are designed to impact that emotional right. part of the brain. So the scarcity thing, you know, the, the estate agent will always yeah. say, please let me know, take your time, Rob. But obviously I've got another couple viewing yeah, yes. and there is a second viewing and there's, they haven't got a chain or yeah. someone else is looking at the car. So the scarcity, the Robert Cialdini scarcity principle. Okay, so um, here's a, I want to ask you something specific yeah.
0: about this because I buy a lot of watches. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's this watch, one watch dealer I buy from and they get the best watches and they use scarcity like that all the time. And yeah. I know how it works because obviously I'm in business. Yeah. And uh, recently they pushed me on a watch. That they, yeah, they had other buyers. So I was like, nah, they don't bollocks. They did have. And I lost the watch. And it yeah. was a really rare watch. And I'm going to have to wait another two years to find one. So, you know, how do you balance the, like, are they telling the truth? Are they just pushing me? But what if you actually do lose the deal? Yeah. I mean, this, the, the
1: point is, I think you have to decide. You have to decide how badly you want, in this yeah. case, the watch. Yeah. And... If you you know and you you you're really into those and and it, which I have to forget
0: otherwise I overpay yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and it's probably it's probably a very strongly driven emotional purchase yes. you, you're absolutely fanatical about them and you love it and you've got to decide how much you, you're willing to pay yeah. for it because you will never know you'll never know for definite whether there are or there aren't mm. over time you might get to know whether that if that watch dealer tells you there are five other people after that watch yeah. over time. You'll know that that's probably reasonably true, yeah. reasonably accurate. Mm. You know, but spotting people lying is a notoriously difficult thing to do, yeah, despite of some of
0: the nonsense that's been published. How do you get the proof?
1: Yeah, and that and that's the point. And, and, and you know, some people
0: say things like, "Oh, well, if they move their eyes up to the right, that's, that's a lie. That's, that's a tell."
1: That's in uh, that's in the Negotiator, isn't it, with Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, like, I'm afraid that absolutely unproven. Of course it is, uh, because
0: yeah, because they may. Some people are reverse orientated; the way they look. According to NLP, so they could look up to the left, yeah. and people are saying, "Oh, well, you're um, you're trying to create a new image, which is a lie, rather than recall a memory." But if people are re- oriented the other way around, they're and there's also recalling a, a memory. Uh,
1: there's also there isn't there isn't very much, if any, evidence, validated evidence that I've seen about eye accessing. So yeah. I mean, I think the eyes are clearly moving around for a reason yeah, and for a purpose, and yeah. you know, there, I'm sure NLP has some has some some validity. I don't think anyone has ever been able to say that is definitively no. what's happening, so I should take that with a pinch of salt. Yeah. That, with that. Do
0: you ever watch the series Lie to Me? Have you ever seen Yes, that?
1: yes, I've watched pretty much all of those. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, they're
0: interesting, but you think it's not as easy as that, no, you know, the micro-tells. Yeah,
1: I mean, if people are interested in that, Professor Paul Ekman does have an online micro-expression training thing Ooh. that you can do. Um, and his stuff, I think, has a lot of validity. But yeah. It, it's going to be so. It's going to be a skill and an art that's going to take people some considerable mm. time and discipline to do. Yeah. But definitely, there are some. He's got some very interesting, very interesting uh, data, I yeah. think, and, and, and findings on that. But scarcity is, is you know, scarcity is one of those things that drives people mm. to take action. I mean, another example of power plays are sort of keeping people waiting. You know, if you are. Um, uh, particularly if you're uh, in a culture that prides, sorry, where time is important. Brits yep. punctuality is important. Germany, etc. Punctuality very important. Um, and so, keeping someone waiting is seen as a real. R- kind Can that of not backfire though? Oh yeah, horrendously. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because surely it's not just about showing power. No, but it's it's it's. I had it done to me when I was a salesperson. I was in fast-moving consumer goods. I, at one stage, I was, I was sort of um, heading up a particular sector, and there's one very large, a very large client. And I am convinced that when I phoned to make an appointment, and I said ten o'clock, he would put ten fifteen or ten thirty in his diary because he would kind of, kind of keep keep you waiting. And in that situation, we had a long, you have a long-term, you know, long-term working relationship. It was an ongoing kind of power play. Mm. But there are, you know, sometimes I'll say to people, you just got to decide. How, how, how long you're prepared to wait yeah. and then sometimes you know after 10 minutes just go to the receptionist and say look I'm really sorry you know we've, we've got another meeting scheduled today um, unless we're able to get going in the next five minutes I, I'm s- going to suggest we're going to need to we're going to just going to need to cancel today and reschedule and yeah. then put, 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 put it back on back put it back on the other side well, um, what's the logic for people in doing that in terms of keeping you waiting yeah it's it's kind of like my time's more important than your time i'm in a position of power i'm it's also rob it's controlling so if you control you control the other person as much as you can so you you for example say hey can we can we uh, meet on tuesday Um, and i'm gonna say no i I can only do wednesday and you say how's the afternoon so it's gonna have to be the morning um and then we're gonna maybe i'm gonna say well if you come to us rob that's going to be much easier control 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 i control you by keeping you waiting then I maybe maybe I come and collect you. Maybe I don't. Maybe I send someone down to fetch you. So that kind of says I'm not you know mm. I'm not coming down to see you. I'm more important than that. I'm going to send someone. Maybe then I show you in the room. Maybe if I do, I might say in you go downward voice inflection. Take a seat. I might gesture to a particular mm. seat and say thank you. I've received your agenda. I'd like to talk about item five first. So I've done control 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 control, and the person may. Consciously not realise what's what's kind of happened that that yeah. person started. It might even be things like, "I'll oh, pass me the water." Yeah. Downward voice, incle- it's a command. A downward voice inflection is a command. Can you open the window? An upward voice inflection is a question. Can you open the window? Yeah. And those are the, those are the things that they'll do. Maybe the uh, they're outnumbering you. There's one of you. You're expecting a one-on-one meeting. It's now a one-on-three meeting. Sometimes somebody doesn't you know, tell who they are they might start with a complaint. I've had a cl- I had a client, I was speaking for a client in Lisbon and uh, a lo- lovely guy and we'd not met previously. I was doing a speaking thing for his company and we met in uh, early, early before the event. And I said, how's, how's it been going? And he said, oh, I've just been complaining. And I said, oh, what's wrong? He said, well, nothing really. He said, but I always like to start off with a hotel (laughs) by complaining. He said, we checked into the room last night, my wife and I, and we complained and they moved us uh, to a a nicer room. Mm -hmm. He said, so I've just started off by complaining about the event. He said, it's always good to put them on the back foot. And that was...
0: For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector, I'm a watch investor, and those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United, and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878 153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team.
1: That was this. Wow. And I'm thinking, wow, he's going to start on me next. Yeah, he's going yeah, to say, yeah, sure. I don't like your suit or yeah. something. Yeah. So, and those are all kind of things that all people... your shorts. All oh my shorts, definitely. <laughs> yeah. We're
0: casual today because it's sunny, folks. Of course. Here's a question about them. Because yeah. I'm just thinking, if someone played all those on me, that would um i that would have the opposite effect where ah, i would absolutely. rebel yeah absolutely uh, but i know i am a bit of a rebel so i'm probably well, f- yeah but th- yeah and me too and
1: and but think about styles of negotiation okay so the, the power plays are more out that uh, this hard
0: bargaining sort of win lose style mm. And do you if, think that's some types of personalities who do that because uh, they not. think absolutely. it works
1: absolutely some people think that's the way to negotiate there's all sorts of different styles and ways to negotiate and a good negotiator has flexibility mm-hmm. if you want to build You know, you and I have had a long-term sort of working relationship, so if one of us engaged in some sort of underhand, manipulative, win-lose style of negotiation, We'd probably go. "Mm, That's that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit right. So you know, every year, kind of, we work with large corporate clients, helping them with their sales and negotiation and and organisation or leadership and stuff. And eighty to ninety percent of the business every year is kind of repeat business. Mm. You know, it's our our model is relationship. Yeah, Yeah. it's about long term partnership. So we indulge in very ethical, principled styles of negotiation with those customers. Mm. But when I went to buy my new car last year. And it's a one-off transactional purchase, and then the, the guy at the the BMW garage is a nice guy, but he's a grown adult. He's decided to be a car salesman. I consider it fair game because the the cheaper the price I get, the more advantage to me. So mm. we're in a quite a narrow. And and even if I really annoy him or really upset him, um, then he he you know he he has no power over me. There's nothing yeah. there's nothing he can do. I don't
0: I don't need a relationship with him.
1: So, so, it, so you'll take
0: more risks, play more games, be yeah. a bit harder, more yeah. aggressive, power play. Yeah. It's funny you say that because um, the first time I saw you speak, I remember you doing some techniques. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, and sort of the shout, the reaction to get the emotions flowing. And I didn't yeah. even know I did this, but um, typical me, um, I'm, my um, Ferrari, there's something wrong with it. it was the, it's the manifold apparently. And like, if you have a Ferrari, you've got to accept there's something's wrong with it. So I always get the warranty um, and something went wrong with it, it, wasn't running properly. Um, so I phoned up the RAC. I'll well, probably have a gold card with the RAC, phoning that up every five minutes. They came and picked up the Ferrari and they took it to Gray Paul in Manchester. And the lady, lady phoned me up and she, she um, was telling me that, you know, that there's manifolds and these kind of problems. I said, no problem, obviously I've got the warranty, so just sort it. And she said, your warranty expired on the 12th. I was like, what, wait a minute, you always, you always notify me, I always renew my warranty. Um, and, I, and I sort of pushed her a bit and I said, look, come on, we always, we always renew the warranty. And um, in the end she said, no, I'm sorry, we can't do anything. So I said, well, how much is the repair bill? And she said something like five grand. And it just came out me and I, just, and I just effed as loud as I could. I was shocked. Yeah. And she went, oh, well, let me go back and see what I can do. And she found me back in three days and she uh, basically got the five grand bill down to just labour at 500 quid. As long as I pay for the warranty renewal, which I would have done two weeks ago anyway. Now my guess is, if I could have just accepted and paid that,
1: yeah. So I mean, so that, I mean I didn't,
0: it wasn't something I did on yeah. purpose. I was just so shocked. Five and a half grand for two manifolds.
1: But that is um, that's kind of the kind of sudden change of behaviour yes. tactic, where you know, and I. I, I And at your event, when I spoke, it was about a double glazing salesman. Yes, and everyone went, oh, that I did did it on. And I did it because, again, it's a one-off transactional purchase. But actually, thinking back to it, I didn't like the way he sold. It was Mm. very old school, manipulative. um, You know, what a lovely house you've got, all this sort of nonsense. And if you have all the windows and doors done, you know, this was... 14 years ago so this price is you know ridiculous then it was ridiculous then it's even more ridiculous if you think about it you know uh it'll be 24,000 pounds you know and i'm about to flinch you yeah. know, as you should yeah you are you know and he yeah. went however yeah know, um if you sign tonight i'll i'll do it for 12. yeah you know and he'd also involve my son in the sale by trying to get him to hold the tape measure to measure him and ingratiate himself and it was all this manipulative old school selling yeah. that I, I detest with the passion yeah. Um, so I kind of thought he was fair game, but I did the I did the effing yeah. you know lurch towards him, yeah. and you know we settled on some ridiculously low figure eventually, and I made him come back the next day just on the point of principle. Yeah. But so that is a tactic some people will use consciously. It sounds like you just used it unconsciously because mm. you were just shocked. Yeah. And, and and.
0: But I thought about it afterwards. And I thought, hmm, yeah, interesting. And the profanity
1: as well is, uh, you don't have to use profanities when you do it, but if you do, they are particularly shocking, for, yes. often because of the impact on the other person. Um, so, and it is a really dirty tactic. And I, w- I would say that behaviours, but good planning and the right behaviours, will always be more effective than yeah. some sort of tactics. Yeah. But down the win-lose end of the spectrum tactics have a place yeah. you know and you can
0: you can and maybe respond. you can use tactics uh, in an ethical framework because no tactic is good or bad right no, or wrong no, evil or no. ethical it's how it's used isn't it
1: yeah it is it's with intent i think it was dave dave lacani in in his book persuasion said his, his persuasion books are very good yeah, by the way i thought they is, were really yeah good. i know they're, they're, you know definitely worth a read and i think i think i think if i'm quoting him correctly apologies Dave if I'm not it's the difference between persuasion and manipulation is intent yes. and you know and i think an example would be if i came across somebody who was i don't know sitting on a bridge and looked like they were kind of suicidal and about to throw themselves off i think it would be fair ethical game to use any manipulation i could to get yeah. the person away from the edge of the bridge yeah. so they can kind of have a think about uh, think about what they were doing so in that case i would say you know the intent is to help the person mm. I would be as manipulative
0: as necessary in order
1: to. Tactical achieve it. is probably a nice a bit better yes, way of saying it, yes, isn't it. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? Being very tactical. Because you know, if
0: you have got limited supply of your product or service, it's okay to you, to say you've got limited well, supply. It's it, just the, when people lie, isn't it? Yeah,
1: I'm mean, just like your events. You know, there are there are you know, you, for a quality reason, you only want a certain number of people yeah. in the room. You know, if it, if it turns in, you know, you've only got so much room in your in your in your facility. Yeah. That's a fair. That's a genuine use of scarcity. The scarcity principle will. Still work very effectively, mm. but I think when scarcity is based, those tactics are based on truth. They're even more; in, they
0: are even more um, impactful, I yeah. think, as well, because you can you can you can use them. Yeah. So. Let's talk about some stupid mistakes they make on the Apprentice and Dragons ah, Den. Okay. We've got to have a bit of fun. Yeah.
1: It. So Dragons Den, I think I think is, um, I'd separate those two programs. Okay. Um, uh, definitely. Dragons Den. If you look at the dragons themselves, um, I think you've got to realise that what you might see on camera is you're probably True. seeing a minuscule part yeah. of the negotiation. Those are very experienced and successful business people, and so. Editing, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be pretty good at it. Yeah. You know, But it's quite interesting to see. What I would say to learn from, from Dragon's Den is I think the rule is you're not allowed to have your numbers with you. You have to know your numbers. Yeah. And as a negotiation principle in commercial negotiations, you must know your numbers. Yes. You must know your numbers. And you can see they start to probe around. Not Normally it's around numbers. You know, I will now torture you with yes. mathematics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the person starts to get a bit flustered. And, and then it all starts to unravel. So I think a big learning from Dragon's Den is know your numbers. And also, sometimes... So that's back
0: to preparation, Yeah, isn't absolutely. It? Yeah.
1: Preparation and planning prevents poor performance. And yeah. there is a rude version of that. And, it's, <laughs> and in negotiation, it's absolutely true. I think also it's, it's interesting to see, have they fully considered the, the total value having one of the dragons as their mentor as the partner even if it's in a small partner so you might give away more than you're happy to give away as a percentage of your company but if they're going to grow the overall company 10 times more than you're capable of doing so on your own that might be a value worth paying so it's worth thinking about value and not always just about kind of price it's the old Warren Buffett price is what you pay value is what what you get yeah Um, on the apprentice I am I know a few people in television. I am absolutely convinced they have some sort of psychological profiling, and if the, the more narcissistic yes. ones, because it makes good because it, it's about making good television. Of course it is, yeah. And there are some people on that who are decidedly flaky and very, very self-obsessed. And yeah. mixed, mixed within those, there are a few people who are <laughs> very good, yeah, <laughs> are very, very capable. Uh, I think, I think business people. The big mistakes are they're self-obsessed. Yeah. They don't think, but they don't think about the other person on a lot of the tasks they're under time pressure and again the person yes. with the least time has has the least power yeah. and bizarrely some of them just need to read a very very basic book on selling and negotiating it yeah. some of the selling and negotiating is so unbelievably bad yeah. i do wonder how they run their own how they run their own businesses yeah. you know the most in, probably the most interesting part is when they are sat down by the various advisers and different people that Alan Sugar brings into and they're on the one-on-one basis and then often you see the the bluff and the stuff unravel. Yeah. Um, but I think the big problem is that I mean they're in a competitive situation as well. So that, that to be fair to them but the competition and the time pressure probably drives quite poor of course. quite poor behavior. Yeah. But um they many of them have a marked inability to think about things from the other mm. from the customer's perspective yeah. or from the other person's perspective mm. and that's that's why but it makes
0: good television yeah of course it, it makes does. good television yeah because i think um there's a there's there's a massive difference which i don't think a lot of people can see between what is a power play and what is an emotional reaction to one's ego because yeah. i've seen people say well this is my offer and it's the final offer and then you decline it and then they say, fine, it's gone up now and you've got to pay even more. And that's not a negotiation strategy they read in the book. That's their ego going, oh, I got rejected. And it, being th- able to move your ego over there, that's a skill that's hard for human yeah, beings to yeah,
1: do. It is. I, think, I, think Jim Camp, I think it was Jim Camp who said something like, good negotiators check their egos in at the door. Yes. And I'll often, if I'm working in And controlling
0: your emotions, not getting abs- upset a- or angry
1: or... Absolutely, and, and not responding to provocation. So there is, you know, within the word negotiation, the word ego sits. No, so that, that, so yeah. Yeah, there's Never always, thought of that, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's always an ego in negotiation. Um, there's nothing more. There's nothing more expensive to maintain than an insecure ego. Of course, so yeah. you know, and I think actually it does 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 just does, does remind me to say that you do need to consider that in a negotiation, and then give give the other person something that they can feel like they've had a win. Yes. You know, so a win result. So even if you do negotiate a very tough deal, if they feel at least they've won something, mm. you know, they, they
0: they feel they've won something. Things like let you know when you're agreeing a price that the the last price was. Offered by them, yeah. even though it might be lower than they'd wanted. At least at the end, they get to say, "Well, we finish on this."
1: And, and that's. And, and I think I, I,
0: a mentor of mine, many
1: many years ago, who said to me in in, a, in the midst of a live negotiation situation, "You know, let them win. You yeah. just keep the money." Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So if they if they're driving away, do you want from, to be right or do
0: you want to be rich? I yeah. mean, if
1: they're driving away. They're going, "That hey, Rob Moore, I tucked him up." Yeah. Yeah. Aren't yeah, oh, no, I brilliant? And you're sitting there going. This is a really awesome deal, yeah. And if they feel like they've got one over on you, but you're, you, they haven't, and you're really happy, then mm. that's good negotiation, yeah. you know. Yeah, that, yeah. That really and, that, and that's the opposite of ego, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, it, but it does in because we deal in commercial, large commercial negotiations inside large corporates. You know, people have to justify themselves to their boss. Mm. So the procurement yeah. person has to kind of go. So how did how did the negotiation go with X supplier? Yeah. The procurement person's got to have something to say to their boss. Hey, we did I did really well here, and we, we yes. managed to get this yeah. for the sake of for the sake of their Good own point. career. Yeah. So you know, it, it also depends who you're negotiating. Who you're mm. negotiating with and yeah. there is a difference between negotiating with people who own their own businesses of course where they've got all their own skin in the game yeah. you you know this only too well um you know when you've got your own business it's your own money on the line it's a very yeah. different negotiation than when you're negotiating with your companies yeah. some your employers money yeah because so on the one cool. hand people
0: will spend someone else's money a lot more freely than their own And yeah. on the other hand you might not be with, with the buyer or the decision maker and, you know, it's like they might not have budget for another year.
1: I mean, you, you see, you'll see things in, in, uh, in commercial, you know, when it's an employer, where they say, ah, yeah, OK, yeah, 25, another 25k, that's OK, I can live with that. You're very off. Yeah, it's only 25k. And you kind of go, well, if that 25k was your own money, yeah, you know, you wouldn't be quite so—you wouldn't be quite yeah. so flippant. Yeah, you know, that's... anyone can
0: spend someone else's money. Really, it's—it's it's, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's really easy. So I think that is also understanding. You know, who, you, when you're negotiating with people, how much skin have they got in the game? Yeah. you know, and and. What's the consequences to them of it not working and thinking that yeah, through? Which comes back so to preparation. Preparation yeah. and planning, you know, is, um, I'll, I'll, I do it, I think I exaggerate to make a point, but I'll say kind of 90% of yeah. your success as a negotiator is down to planning and preparation. And, yeah. and if people listening in want, if you want to have a massive advantage as a negotiator, plan and prepare, yeah. discipline yourself. Because I bet everyone you know, wants from you all the sneaky,
0: sexy, yeah, gimmicky
1: tricks. Yeah, they do. And we well, we can provide them with a few tactics. Yeah. But they they will fail miserably against a very well planned and prepared negotiator who understands negotiation behaviour yeah. and and does does uses it effectively and properly. So mm. the better planned and prepared you are, you know, it's you know it's not it's not like a massive deal in the overall scheme of things. But we had an email from a guy we trained in in the IT industry, and. They'd had a customer, so they, they have a thing called change requests. So they're, they're doing the, the customer's IT infrastructure, quite a big quite a big uh, bank in the city. Um, if the customer changes, wants something different, it costs, it costs money. But the organisation had had a history of kind of, well, let's keep the customer happy and, and let's not. So they'd set a precedent of doing things that they should be charging for. So the guy attended our seminar, got an email about a couple of days later, and he said, I spent an hour planning and preparing for the negotiation. He said we spent forty-five minutes in a very uncomfortable negotiation, and for the first time, the customers agreed to pay. Fifth, I think something like fifty forty-seven thousand pounds for the for the for the change request. Mm. So if you look at that, that that's about twenty-two, twenty-three thousand pounds per hour. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's generated from that. And it was he spent an hour planning, okay, and probably because it was the first time he was using the planning process. You know, it could take so you know an hour's better than half an hour. Half an hour's better than fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes better than ten minutes, and ten minutes is better than nothing at all. I'm not right. saying ten minutes is world class, yeah. But what do I want to achieve? What do they want to achieve? What are the negotiable issues? What's the likely range? Where's the power balance? Who am I negotiating with? What do I know about them? You know what questions do I need to ask what questions do we think they're going to ask just some basic you know basic what are what are some possible scenarios yeah and don't make assumptions yeah. don't don't make go in with a kind of a blank sheet of paper don't make assumptions assumptions are very dangerous in negotiation don't assume ask yes you know because and you know if you don't ask you don't know mm. And we often see that, you know, we're coaching people in live negotiation situations, which we do sometimes, and we'll say, okay, what's the, what, do you think their, what do you think their timeline is? They say, well, we, we think they need to get it done by September. I say, do you know they need to get it done by September, or do you think? I say, mm. well, what do we think. I say, based on what? Yeah. And they go, well, well, we don't know, really. I say, okay, so you don't know the timeline, mm. so you need to ask.
0: Well, asking is really powerful, because number one, you get information, and number two, people are more comfortable talking about yeah. themselves than... Yeah. Hearing you speak, aren't they? Yeah,
1: so encourage encourage them encourage the other side to talk and to share as, as much as possible. Yeah. And obviously sometimes you you you, you, you do need to, to share information yes, yourself about what you want, of course. But it's the it's the ratio. Yeah. So approximately it will be the good old two to one, twice as much gathering information as you give. Yeah. And a big mistake we see a lot of salespeople doing in negotiation situations is giving way too much information talking about what they want and etc and they don't spend enough time getting inside the other person's head finding out finding out what they want. Yeah. Classic classic mistake. Mm. You know, you are broadcasting when you should be receiving. Yeah.
0: Is is kind of the phrase. Mm. Okay. I tell you something I've experienced a lot this really interests me is salary negotiations. Yeah. Because you can imagine I have 75 staff in the office mm. probably another 100 out of office. And so it seems like every 4 minutes someone's asking for more money. Yeah. And what never works on me, and I don't know how many of my team are going to be listening to this. I, I might have just cost myself 200 grand here. But you know, when people come to you saying, oh, Rob, I can't afford to live, you know, I yeah. can't even pay the bills, blah, blah. One, it's normally a lie. Yeah. Uh, and two, people, I don't think, I don't feel like I want to save them from their own personal situation, especially when I see them in a nice car and whatever else. But uh, I've had a couple of people that have come to me and said, Rob, in the last year, this is what I've done for the company. And show me I did this deal, I made this money, I made this money, I made this money, I made this money. I haven't had a pay rise for four years. In four years, inflation has been 15%. And and, and they create a value proposition rather than saying, I have a need. And I'm always more likely to pay people more money when they show what they've brought and done for the company and the amount of money they've made rather than their need.
1: It's it's um, you kind of get in it the wrong way round, aren't Mm. they? You know because, and they're also showing neediness potential. Let's assume for a moment they do. Yeah. Um, But. They're, they're not thinking about it from a Rob perspective, mm. are yeah. they? They're not saying, well, because if they prove their value to you, you know yeah. as a business person, you, your business rests very strongly on Well, it's an easy decision if it's a
0: value-based proposition, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is, absolutely. You, know, you need really good people. And yeah. if they can demonstrate value, you show value to the employer, they're more likely to be able to do it. But I think also another thing in salary negotiation is, is you know you need to see things from the other perspective there may yeah. be in larger companies that may be some sort of limitations and mm. things because of bandings and, st- and things like that but agreeing you know i'm going to give you this if i give you this can i ha- can i have this extra yeah. can i have this extra return or de-risk the deal you know can mm. you have more bonus for example for delivery of, of things of things that you're doing yeah but yeah i'm i'm with you and you know um I think I think how people manage their own personal finances and etc is kind of their it's kind of their yeah. business. But you uh, ju- the thing is as
0: well, if you catch someone lying, you know, it's like you you yeah. know it's be- you know it's like when um people you're doing a deal with a supplier and they say oh well there's no profit in it anymore for me I'm doing this with no profit yeah. <laughs> that is a lie otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's. Lying as well, I,
1: I you know I, we we explore this a lot in our seminars because we do a couple of uh, we do a couple of role play simulations to to warm them yeah. up. And one is interestingly <laughs> is always about salary. Yeah. And I'll always <laughs> yeah. say, who asked how much money? Who was asked? Sorry, you know, employer employee. They're in pairs. Who was asked how much salary they were currently earning? Yeah. You know, show of hands. And how many of you told the truth? Mm. Okay. Da, 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 who lied? Who actually said I'm on 75k when you're actually on 50k? Yeah. whatever, Whatever yeah. the scenario says, and then I go, okay, is it a good idea to lie in negotiation? We start because there is a grey area. You know, yeah. there is this grey area, and um, there is. A, I think there is a difference between lying and being careful and considered about what information you reveal at what, yeah. at what stage. I mean, yeah. I've I've negotiated in the past on behalf of my employer back in the day with one of the large supermarket chains who invited us to go open book costing with them. So we would show them exactly how much everything in our manufacturing process cost and the supply chain and then apparently in the spirit of collaboration we would work together to reduce those costs and share the benefit I and mean, you're kind of going yeah
0: mm, don't, you know exactly why you want that
1: information yeah don't think so so how 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 for example you know as a supplier how uh, if you're a supplier to someone how efficiently and effectively you run your business how well you buy how and how much money you make i think is your own private commercial business yeah. i don't think anybody you know i don't blame people for asking but i don't see i don't see why you should no. why you should do that but as a, as a, as a, as a very very strong principle with clients, I do not lie to clients. No.
0: You know, how did you get into negotiation? Give us a sort of the three minute radio edit of your okay, life. Okay. Yeah, I uh, left university. wasn't quite sure what I
1: wanted to do. Definitely knew I didn't want to do what I'd done my degree in, and I had a couple of dead end jobs, worked Ooh. in a warehouse, etc. A couple of things, and I kind of kind of by accident in 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 this company ended up kind of. They asked me to um answer the phones in the office to customers and liaise with customers. And I it sort of did reasonably well. And then I, then someone said to me, oh, you know, you ought to try being in sales because you talk a lot, which is bad advice at the time, <laughs> yeah. but that was true. But wasn't yeah. uh, not the best thing. Um, and then some, someone else said to me, if you want to move into sales, best thing to do is go door to door. So like knowing no better, I've got a couple of sort of canvassing jobs in yeah. the evening. So I would like a, a regular kind of nine to five job in the day. And then went uh, out door to door in the evening. Sky Television, I think, was was one of the ones we were on. Yeah. If I remember, but uh, this is this is you know long, many many decades ago. But like twenty five quid a deal or something. Yeah. So we making. I was. I realised I was making about kind of back then probably five hundred quid a week in the evenings. Wow. And much less than that in the day. Yeah. And I kind of went, oh, this sales things. Got, but those direct sales things are normally reasonably limited time period. Yeah. Then got a. Uh, um, Went into like a like a um, a telephone sales office and then moved into field sales and yeah. br- lucky break I think got in with a really good fast moving consumer goods company very professional company yeah. and benefited hugely from a very good training program very good sales management lots of coaching etc. Stayed in fast moving consumer goods and moved moved kind of up the ranks to more yeah. senior more senior positions and gradually you start to get exposed to obviously sales but then more and more you become aware of the concepts of negotiation mm. and. Luckily for me, we were trained. The company was very smart. They didn't just train their salespeople to sell; they trained them to negotiate, and so you do you do both. And eventually, after various things, I ended up heading up their sales academy for them and, and working, uh, you know, providing all of that stuff. And then, after you know about 18 years, I kind of had enough of, of working for large corporates, to set up set up my own. Set up my own organisation. I'd written a couple of books, my first two books, Bernacle Selling, Bernakel Negotiating. I love them books. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know, That's I mean, really I know we've both
0: read each other's books. Of course. Sometimes yeah. you read your friend's books to support them. That was not the case for me. Thank I you, genuinely so. enjoyed those. In fact, it might have been your book that got me to get in touch with you in the first I place. I think it was.
1: I think it was. Yeah. I think you'd read it and then you, you,
0: you, uh, was, was your first one Bare Knuckle Negotiations? Yeah. Just uh, remember so. The hardcore picture of you with your yes. fist, that like I thought, I need to know this kind <laughs> of stuff. We changed that on the second edition. Yeah. Uh, got yeah. a slightly
1: less embarrassing. <laughs> Um, but I'd written, the, I wrote those two books while I still had a proper job right. and I actually started moonlighting, like to use a few days holiday yeah. to speak and stuff yeah. and then started to get paid for it and then so an opportunity came to negotiate an exit and got a few quid All which right. gave us a financial cushion, we nice. set up the business in the middle of the recession, interesting yeah. time i um, have been doing been doing that ever since. So we're now. I think it's now um, thirty countries or something. I think as is, is, I've worked in. So, yeah, because um, you also you speak a lot. Don't I do. You, yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: So, so. Um, I know you're so really highly regarded in the, the main professional speaking academy association, aren't you? Uh, p- the p- the PSC. Yeah, I'm a fellow yeah. fellow of the professional speaking Yeah, but, but I mean, didn't you do a keynote speech? At one of their main events. Yes, yes, I did yes, on, on
1: yeah on house sales, house, uh, house You're Very speakers. humble for someone who I'm having to pitch <laughs> you here. So yeah, I mean, that, that is, uh, if you want to be, if you want to try something a bit nerve wracking, yeah. is you want to speak to speakers, yes. uh, you know, and who are all watching you. But it was basically about how to sell yourself more successfully as a yeah. speaker, because it's the same in lots of businesses. The speaking business is no different to any business. You have to be able to market and sell yourself yes. successfully. And and in the speaking business, there are lots of speakers who are. really great speakers that yeah. they're, they're really good but they're not so great at their selling and marketing yeah. and that would be same it could be same. you know, you know you what it's the
0: same in every business sorry to yeah. jump in yeah. no, this no, no, is an important us. point to make to everyone I've got a, a good mate it has been mates for years who I do cycling with and um, we were cycling this morning and he's charging £9.50 uh, per hour for um, the, he runs a goalkeeping Academy yeah. so a parent can put their child in for £9.50 £9.50. He should be charging way more than £9.50. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, he's been a goalkeeper coach for 20 years. He's, teach, he's coached England Academy um, goalkeepers. People have been in the England, under 21s, and he's charging £9.50. Yeah. Now, okay, he has 100 of them. Yeah. But I said to him, that needs to be 15 quid, 20 quid. And um, so the difference between being able to run a good business and sell and market yourself are Huge. And it applies.
1: It applies to any business. Whether whether you are a you know you you could be the very best plumber in Peterborough. Yeah. You know you could do a better job than anyone else. But, but if no one, one knows enough. you, that's, then you're not a plumber. <laughs> you know that's not enough, and you have to be able to sell and market yourself and obviously yeah. sell, selling um, you know so I, I my simple my simple definition and our, our marketeers will probably throw things at me for saying this but you know marketing is the creation of a potential customer yeah. selling turns a potential customer into a paying customer yes. selling is convincing the customer of the value of what you have to offer and negotiation is agreeing the terms yeah. upon which you will do business together yes. so sell first to maximise value then negotiate because the more value the customer perceives they're getting from you, your product, your service, whatever it is, the lower their price sensitivity usually, and the higher you know, if it's absolutely what you need, it's
0: absolutely what you want. Yes. And also sometimes
1: there's no negotiation at all. Yeah, and also it's you've everywhere. invested
0: a lot of time, haven't you? One of the things I've learned in negotiation is the more time someone's invested in, the more they feel they've got to lose. Or mm. that they've wasted if they then don't go on with the deal.
1: I mean, actually, that does bring me on to uh, bring me on to an important point: is a good negotiator does not do every deal. Yeah, you only do deals that make commercial and financial sense. And you you need when you're doing your planning is to work out what your break point is or your walk away right, point yeah. or etc. Like and, on my watches, I like on your yeah. watches, yeah, and 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 stick to it because if it doesn't make commercial sense. And you, you you invest a lot of time, and your point's very valid, the more time and energy, the more psychologically it is. is to walk. Yeah. And you start to do all sorts of strange things yeah, in like, your Yeah, oh, I've wasted all this time, I've and got to go
0: through with this now. Yeah. You know,
1: and, oh, well, I'm sure yields in the area will pick up. Yeah. And, and uh, it's a good investment for the future, and it's a long-term investment. Mm. And it, and no, it's not. It's a bad investment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we all do self post rationalisation mm-hmm. um, you know we're very the brain's very good at conning ourselves yeah. you know it's a really good idea no it wasn't it was a crappy deal and you did it because you didn't have the discipline to walk yeah. away so let's go back to your
0: story then so how yeah. many books have you written now and I've tell written, us about it I've
1: written five books so the first one was Bare Knuckle Selling and the second one was Bare Knuckle Negotiating so and those are probably the books that people know me the most for yeah. um, I then collaborated with um, someone I have a, a, a close working business relationship with on Bare Knuckle Customer service so we're kind of in the trilogy it was felt I have a master's degree in psychology and I basically turned my thesis into a book called The Inner Winner which is like the psychology of performance and my latest book which was published by Kogan Page um, has been published in I think it's six or seven languages now. Really? Is neurocell, which is is how neuroscience can power your cell's success. So I met yeah. a guy who was a who was a neuroscientist or an an, an applied neuroscientist, an expert in applied neuroscience and uh, I collaborated, he was my, my, kind of my technical advisor. Yeah. So it's about what, what do we understand more of, we now understand more about the human brain than we ever have in in, in sort of human history because yeah. of technology allows us to, to to see what's going on. And so what does that mean to sales? Yeah. How do we sell more effective
0: by by understanding the way the brain functions? If you saw yourself 10 or 20 years ago, you'd have been able to see some maybe schoolboy errors you made. Mm. Can you think mm. of any, you know what, you know? Oh yeah, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, I think um, I think I was very fortunate
1: at a very early part of my sales career to have a boss, a new boss, who who really took me from, from being a pretty arrogant, in inverted commas, sales rep into a half-decent account manager. Right. And I think because at that stage my competence was far exceeded by my confidence <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. so the confidence confidence Hubris. balance yeah. yeah definitely and um we were we were um it was probably my introduction to negotiation planning and it probably was quite a formative moment because i i took over some big wholesale customers and the first first meeting with a new customer and he was like one of our gold stars, very important, and he absolutely savaged me in mm. the first meeting. You know, it was really aggressive and threatening to delist our company, and a really unless we gave him better, and absolutely ran, you know ran me ragged. So you know, I sort of like managed to get get out and escape, and I get on the phone uh, to my boss and said, oh, "Philip, he's going to mm. delist us," and he said, "Okay, we'll make, make arrange another meeting, and we'll," and he said whatever and then when I've said it, it's two o'clock and on, on whatever on next Tuesday and he said excellent we'll meet at nine o'clock then and I'm kind of going why, why are we meeting at nine because we're we going to plan for the negotiation I'm yeah. going, I've got nine ten eleven how long is how long is this going to how long is this yeah. so he sits me down in this hotel foyer we're having a cup of coffee and he said now how, how good do you think you are at negotiation then so this is negotiation I said oh sure i'm pretty excellent he said excellent he said uh, so why don't you take me through the the five stages that most negotiations go through then? and i went, and I went okay so stage one that's going to be the uh uh, and I start waffling and mm. he he went, You don't know, do you? And I I went, no He said, Okay, shut up, I'll tell <laughs> you. And he, and he basically coached me through the whole thing. Did yes. did did all the planning, did all the planning and preparation. Just and then, quickly, what are yeah. the five stages?
0: Can you just Yeah, plan, yeah. plan
1: planning and preparation? Yeah, yeah planning preparation. Then you go to like the, the discussion stage where yeah. you where you spend seventy percent of your time understanding about what each other wants. Then when I understand your your what you need and what I need, somebody's gonna make the third stage a proposal. You know, yeah. we make a proposal. Then we can start bargaining, which is the fourth stage where we trade and then fifth stage fifth stage close right so he got me totally totally kind of planned and prepared got me absolutely ready and he said right you you run the negotiation he said but if you really start to struggle look at me and i'll take over or if i think you're struggling i'll give you a little kick under the table <laughs> and, I'll, and i'll take over and we're walking we're walking got across, like the panic button <laughs> yeah, yeah we're walking you. across the car park together and he said by the way they'll probably have decided to outnumber us that's a good thing, that right. shows they're serious. So we mm. walk in and there's like five of them in the room yeah. and there's just the two of us. And I remember what he'd done is he'd neutralised the power play. Because right. I walked in and I distinctly remember going, oh yeah, five of them. Oh, yeah. Not, <gasps> yes. we're out- we're outnumbered. And I did the best I could and then um, I started to get a bit out of out, out my depth and I got kicked under the table by mm. my boss. Who just called this guy's bluff? This guy was, yeah, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And he said to me earlier, he said, even if they do, he said they probably can't. He said because the best they can do is ten percent damage because our their customers want our product. So mm. relax. And even if they do, we'll we'll attack them from the uh, from their competitors. Yeah. So he did a, a whole thing, and he just put his. He literally went right, mm. put his briefcase, slammed his, put his briefcase right in the middle of the guy's desk, opens it up. Takes his folder, puts it in, shuts the briefcase, and leant over and said to the guy, he "Went Jeffrey, I'm really sorry. Um, just doesn't look like this is going to work out for us. I'll ask Simon to make arrangements to close the account." And I'm sitting there going, "What are you doing?" You know, and then the customer on the other side went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't, I, I uh, you know, and all fumbled." And then my boss sat down and opened his briefcase and said, shall we have a sensible conversation? <laughs> and it, and he, he basically coached me for all those hours on plan, prepare, yeah. what to do, how to think, how to behave, what to say, what not to say. And he coached me for, he's my boss for about two years. Mm. And that, that was, he took like um, arrogant and turned it into a bit more, I hope yeah. humble, and showed me what what good really looked like, mm. and that was that was really powerful lesson. I think.
0: And maybe that's how negotiation or the skills, execution, and perception has changed because then maybe there was a bit more like hubris and arrogance in <laughs> yeah. the eighties and nineties. You know, I love watching Wolf of Wall Street; it's brilliant. But you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's maybe, not gonna no, it's not like normal real life. This podcast is called the Disruptive Entrepreneur. Mm. What does the word disruptive mean to you?
1: Um, I think I think we probably in our sales approach sometimes try to be a little bit disruptive you know we're trying to challenge challenge what customers think is is the best way to the best way to do things you know there'll be sometimes like are we well, I suppose we kind of disrupt what they think's going to happen in the meeting sometimes Where they think that I've got a, a new business meeting with a client that's contacted us I think the week after next and for, for example um Maybe they're expecting me to come in and start talking about how great we are and how good our people are and how amazing our negotiation training is. Well, I'm not going to do that because mm. I don't know yet what they want or what they need. So I'm yeah. going to say, I may say, look, I may be different to some of the other people you're going to see, but I'm not actually planning on talking about what we might do yeah. because I don't know what you need. So And you can sometimes see them go, mm. oh, that's different. And you know, it's a bit about... Um, being different. Being different yeah. And and... You know, you can also be disruptive by really focusing on your clients and what your clients need, and trying to get out your own head and yeah. get, in, get inside get inside their head. But certainly, try to be disruptive to our competitors mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> without
0: without a shadow of a doubt. And, and so, how would you try and be disruptive to your competitors? We
1: we are um, our approach is about, but we're far more we're far more solution focused. We're far yeah. more consultative. We don't we don't have an off we don't have an off the shelf offering. I don't have. No. I'm very proud to say you're trying to be, be unique. I don't have an off-the-shelf offering everything we do is tailored to each individual customer their industry their needs the maturity of their sales teams the situations they're facing I just I don't there may be some fundamentals that are common Mm. but I don't have a you know take this off there you go that's that's what you've got Mm. so that's that and that works for us we have a pretty pretty high strike rate so that seems that seems to work. I guess where we fail is if they do want off the shelf. Of course, It can't be mm. everything to everyone. Can can't, you? can't you? Can't be. I mean, I think that's understand. Know, know, know your customers. Know you, what your your ideal customer looks like, and focus on those. Yeah. You know, and and the rest, yeah. You know, I don't know. Somebody like Jeremy Clarkson, you know, is you, you people love him or hate him, don't they? Yeah. You no know, Marmite job. It's
0: very clear that he knows who he is. Yeah,
1: and he knows he annoys people, and he and he and, and that's absolutely fine. I don't yeah. think.
0: It's funny, I interviewed Quentin Wilson for the um, ah, podcast. He yeah, yeah. obviously knows Jeremy very well. And he said people used to come up to him in the street and say stuff to him. And he's just like how he's untelling in real life. And he really genuinely didn't care what anyone thought about yeah. what he said. Yeah. And I, in a way, like I'm not saying I want to be like that, but I respect someone who knows who they are so yeah, much. Yeah. I think it's important as a business and a brand, know yeah. who you are. Don't try and be your competitors. Don't try and compete with someone who's better than you at being them.
1: I mean, we see it, I see it all the time in, in the world of professional speaking. It's obviously, we, we often people are inspired to become a prof- prof- professional speaker. You know a Tony Robbins trained speaker, speaker yes, a mile away, down here. Yes, don't you? you do, you know. Yeah. And, and obviously Tony... Say I. <laughs> yeah. So Tony Robbins is, and I've had the privilege of, of having a behind the closed doors thing yeah. with Tony, seeing Tony with about 30, 35 clients, seeing him up, up close and personal. And he's a very, very impressive, very yeah. impressive speaker, no two ways about it. But there's
0: only one Tony Robbins yeah. and that's Tony Robbins. and well, the uh, first year of my speaking, I didn't know, but I was basically trying to be him.
1: Yeah, and, and and obviously, and I, I think a lot's... just in case there are any videos <laughs> out there of me in the yeah. early days. But artists, off artist musicians in their formative period will often will often do cover songs. Yeah. Will an artist? I mean, you're an artist. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you very keen on it, weren't you? Yeah. Um will we'll be influenced by someone, yeah. etc. But then you, you've got to find your own voice. And I think that is about something changes in, in when you're a speaker when you you're yourself on stage. You finally click and you realise okay this is this is what Simon Hazeldean does on stage and yeah. it's very different to what Rob Moore does on stage and it's very different to what Tony Robbins does mm. on stage. Yes learn from and be influenced by those be influenced by those people. Yeah. But there is really only one person who can go, say I, yeah. you know, with yeah. any, with any.
0: Well, there's about 30,000 people that try it. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. And you, you, you know, but He's got a big enough hand and a deep enough voice yeah. that most <laughs> other people haven't. Simon, been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Really Thank grateful you. for you investing your time to do this. I want to make sure you get uh, a lot out of it too. We have people, and that's over 180 countries that people subscribe. Oh, fantastic. Um. 3,000 in Myanmar and I was like I didn't, didn't even know that I was like I was looking at the data <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Um, so tell us where we can follow you and yeah. find you okay so uh, my
1: speaker website is simonhazeldine.com or one word s-i-m-o-n-h-a-z-e-l-d-i-n-e.com uh, the website for my latest book is neuro-cell.com on twitter at simon hazeldean and also um we i've been launching a podcast on specifically on okay. sales and negotiation it's called the sales chat show when's it so come out it's it's out it's oh, ready now we started a couple of months ago so saleschatshow.com. and there's a whole host oh, i'll of have to free listen to podcast yeah well so. yeah, you'll be uh, very welcome very right. welcome to listen in so yeah that's how people can
0: get hold of me right simon once again thank okay. you very much thank you Rob. Cheers. Pleasure. thank you Rob again, stay with me here because I've got a gift for you. I get asked for these a lot and I thought, well, I'll I'll leverage my time and yours. And I will put these four things I get asked a lot into a free gift for you. So if you go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report, then what I've done is I've written for you an article on the top 21 apps I use to create the mobile lifestyle. I've written an article on the 14, my most favourite educational, inspirational informative documentaries of the you know most inspiring people in the world I've written uh, which ones they are and a synopsis of each one I'm very well known for having lots of very specific goals detailed vision values so I'm sharing with you my particular document I use I've PDF it for you and also the fastest ways I know to make money for startup and scale up entrepreneurs so I've written an article and a detailed report on each one I've put them all into one and all you have to do is go to tiny.cc forward slash robs report. You get those for free. I'll never ask anything from you, spam, I'll never spam you, never sell to you. And then also once a week, I'll send you a new article or a new video content that's a bit different that maybe you wouldn't get normally from the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. So I hope you find that useful. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.